When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It is a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. How you doing, everybody, this morning? Uh, Jody McDonald, along with my partner today, Jeff Kerr, and my usual partner, John McMullen, who was live at the Eagles' practice against the Patriots yesterday and will be again today. Uh, Johnny Mack, appreciate you hopping on this early. Uh, did you get through the day? I had to put in two full hours yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had to work for a living. You sure you're okay to do this again today? Yeah, luckily it was uh, not as hot as it was last week. So, you know, we <laughs> we knew Bill Belichick wasn't showing up for 70 minutes. We kind of intimated that yesterday. So, yeah, more of a normal NFL practice. And, and by the way, ironically, I think you could argue the Eagles' best practice of the summer. And, you know, the, those two things have something to do with each other. I don't know, but who, who knows? But it was their best practice. They look, they look like the better football team. I'll say that. John, I wrote about yesterday how the linebackers, they look spectacular in pass coverage, at least from what I heard and what I read. Uh, some of it was from you, uh, honestly. And, like, how did Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton uh, fare against that defense, uh, that offense? Yeah, I mean, that that was the book on Eric Wilson and, and coming from Minnesota, really good in pass coverage, but really poor in run support. And we'll see how that shakes out. But, I mean, that's his strength as a player. Um, probably going to be the best pass coverage linebacker the Eagles have had in quite some time. Uh, just he's natural. He's very fast, very athletic, undersized. Um you know, sort of a modern day linebacker. Um, and you got to figure out the run part of it uh, as far as run support. And a lot of that's got to fall on Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave up front, keeping blockers off them, um, keeping blockers from getting to the second level. And those guys are having a great camp as well. So um, that, that bodes well. And then Alex Singleton's just, you know, he, I, I always go back. People think of nickel linebackers as these fast guys who can run. And, and we talk about Davion Taylor before he got hurt and his uh, ability to, to run with, you know, 4-4 four, four speed. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, that certainly helps. But one of the best nickel linebackers I ever saw was Jack Del Rio, who everyone knows from being a head coach and a coordinator. And he wasn't fast. He was just smart as hell. And he knew where to be and he knew where to go. And he had an innate feel for it. And 
I'm not saying Alex Singleton's that, but you see some of the same traits, uh, just understands the game, high football IQ, um, gets in good position. So, yeah, I, I think the linebackers have looked a little bit better than, than people expected. And I'm still concerned, you know, when a team comes on in here and they want to run the football and they're good at running the football, how do they hold up? That, that is, is my big concern. J-Mac, uh, a couple of linebacker names you threw out there uh, who look good in practice in uh, the first exhibition game. We'll certainly learn that much more as, as the season goes along. All uh, summer we've been speculating, who's the guy Howie Roseman is going to target to try and give a contract extension to, negotiate a contract extension? Because the Eagles have a history for doing this, uh, acknowledging one guy that may be there a little higher on than the league was and get him at a good uh, value contract and like they haven't done any of those deals this year. It's always going to be Dallas Goddard. As long as the uh, uh, starting tight end from last year is still here, Mr. Ertz, and they're going to be splitting time. I'm not sure the Eagles are going to go down that road. Any chance they get into a conversation with one of their two uh, linebackers, the two guys you just mentioned and talk about an extension. Uh, I, I don't think so. As far as, uh, as far as Wilson goes, um, you know, he signed a one-year deal, prove it deal. You're not going to just look at him in training camps and say, oh, he's better than we thought and, and give him some extra years. You know, if you go back to Tim Jernigan, if he starts playing well and you're about, you know, three quarters, halfway through the season, you might start thinking about it then. But I, I think it's a little bit too early. And then Alex, people, you know, Alex is a little bit older because of the, the journey he had to take. Um, and, and, you know, undrafted guy, um, didn't have the, the, the big pedigree. We always talk about had to go to Canada, became a star there, came back. Um, so he, he's, you know, he's like your, your 24 year old linebacker, even though he's 28 and that you still have control over him. So it's not as much of a concern, um, you know, the, the four guys we always look at are uh, Dallas Goddard, who you mentioned, um, Jordan Mailata, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. Those are the guys you would look for uh, for potential extensions. And I got to tell you, three of the four, they already, you know, kicked the can down the road a little bit with Barnett just to restructure, just to get some space. So the three other guys, I mean, They'd love to get something done with Mylotta before he hits the open market, but why would you do that if you're Jordan Mylotta? Same thing with Josh Schwed. If he has a big year, he can cash in. So a lot of times it's just the player betting on himself and being savvy enough or the agent being savvy enough to know the Eagles are trying to get, you know, uh, buy low, so to speak. So it's difficult. And then the last part is the salary cap is still an issue for this team until next year. So some of it is, is timing. I think with Jalen Hurts, especially from yesterday, it just seems like the guy's a gamer. Like, I feel like we can throw his practice stats out the window, so to speak, especially after yesterday. Well, they were good yesterday. You don't want to throw those out, yet. <laughs> well, he was playing our team, too. That's where I was getting that. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, he 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 had by far his best practice yesterday. Uh, I mean, he was he was good, and and the best part was he was good with the intermediate stuff. That's been the issue. Uh, he throws a nice deep deep ball. 
you know, if you go back to the game, people are saying, why didn't you hit Quez Watkins? I mean, when we say you have a good deep ball, that doesn't mean you're going to be 100%. It's difficult to connect on, on those deep throws. There's so much timing to it. Um, but he just has a natural ability to throw the football deep. And I think a lot of it just comes from there's no traffic out there. You know, you're, you know, a lot of times it's uh, man-to-man. You, you might have a safety coming over, but if you're throwing it to the outside shoulder, you kind of know it's either receiver is going to get it or it's going to go incomplete. So you can feel more confident throwing those types of passes. There's a lot of traffic in the middle of the field. A lot of bad things can happen. And two of the bad things happened in seven-on-seven. Seven. So while we talked about all the good yesterday, you know, Zach Ertz dropped a pass, turned into an interception. Kenny Gainwell dropped a pass, turned into an interception. Those are what intermediate routes can happen. You know, it might not even be the quarterback's fault. Uh, and it can turn into a pick six and quarterback's going to get blamed for it. Um, so that his improvement there is the biggest part of it. And I think, you know, he's got to follow it up. I mean, we need to start stacking days. The whole issue has been consistency um, and the inconsistency from, from practice to practice. So you want to see that kind of settle down a little bit. But I will say that, and I asked Jalen this yesterday as well, and he admitted it. I was surprised because he usually doesn't admit these types of things. I asked him if he got frustrated in practice because of the quick whistles. And he said, yeah, I do. Because a lot of times he can get out of the pocket but they're blowing the whistle. They're blowing the play dead because that's not what they're practicing. Number one, number two, they don't want the quarterback hurt. So you don't get to see what Jalen Hurts might've done outside the pocket. And that's to say the least, uh, a big strength of his game. Which we'll see maybe in the game on Thursday night against the Patriots, because they're not going to blow it dead. It'll be called like a regular NFL game. Uh, speaking of getting hurt, was it an intermediary route or a deep route in which a couple Eagle DBs came together and Darius Slay was slow to get up afterwards? Not good when you're knocking out your own guys, J-Mac. Now, a little friendly fire. It was scary for a bit, but I saw Slay after practice. He was his usual self, joking around. His wife was there. Everybody was having fun. So I wouldn't be concerned. We'll see with the pre-practice injury update we generally get um i i could see him sitting out a few days it's one of those things but he certainly wasn't upset or you know they didn't take him into the building he was just as i said his typical smiling self um i I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing at all but to answer your first question yeah it was right over the middle of the field that's what i was talking about all the traffic there and it's friendly fire coming from the other direction that's the kind of stuff that happens in the NFL, even in the modern NFL, where they try to make it as safe as possible. And I'm, you guys can't see me, but I'm putting air quotes on there. <laughs> so week one, starting wide receivers, who are they going to be? Oh, boy. Well, Devontae Smith, uh, obviously, Jalen Rager, obviously. And then it's it's been, you know, who's going to be the number three guy. And right now, He's got to finish the deal, but it's got to be Quez Watkins. Got to be Quez Watkins. Um, still a long way to go, as Nick Sirianni will like to say, uh, when he's talking about obvious starting positions like quarterback and left tackle. So he's obviously not going to tip his hand at wide receiver. 
But, I mean, Quez had another good practice. Um, they've been talking for years about how to get more explosiveness on the field, and he's obviously explosive. Um, and that predates Nick Sirianni. It postdates Nick Sirianni. Uh, Travis Fulgham has not played well uh, over the past week or so. I don't think he had his best practice yesterday. Um, Greg Ward, Jody's guy, has been solid, but you know that's they want Greg Ward to be the fourth guy. They don't want him out there a ton, a lot, a ton of time. Um, so I think right now it's got to be Quez Watkins, and he's earning it. This is not just okay. Let's try Quez Watkins. He's just out playing the other guys. John, you mentioned the fact that Darius Slade's uh, wife was there. Well, uh, Zach Ertz's wife was there, too. And he took a couple of minutes with his wife, introduced her to the coach of the opposition, uh, Coach Belichick. <laughs> and they had a couple of yucks, including Belichick saying, yeah, you know, I've tried to get you, Zach, and I, I may still be able to do it. But Howie wants two ones and two of my grandkids to get you to come up and join me in New England. Belichick is sneaky funny. I'll give you that. I can tell you a story about Gary Myers hanging with Belichick. He said he was one of one of the funniest afternoons he ever spent. And no one thinks of Belichick like that. He is the most drab, business-like uh, person in the world. Uh, but if he lets his guard down, he'd actually be a little bit funny. Do you think the Patriots actually did make a play for Zach Ertz this offseason before they went out and signed their new tight ends? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was this offseason uh, as much as last season. Um, it could have been, but, uh, you know, the timing. Obviously, though, he would like to have Zach Ertz. Um, nobody uses tight ends better uh, than Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniel. So you go back to Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and, and you see what they did in free agency this year. I mean, nobody has been better able to utilize 12 personnel than New England over the years. And that's always been Belichick's mindset is that the old, you know, when everybody zigs, everybody zag, yeah, I zag. And, and, you know, everybody does the same thing in this league. And we all call it a copycat league. And, you know, you, now you have the analytics sort of wave and, and everybody trying to use advanced numbers and, you know, you'll see it on Twitter. Occasionally you'll see the fights between the old school football guys and the new school football guys. And everybody thinks they have the answer, but then they retreat to their own echo chamber. And this is, this is the way you have to do it. And Belichick's the exact opposite. So you got everybody doing one thing. He's doing something else. And he's always ahead of the curve. And obviously, uh, um, not everybody, but the vast majority. Uh, and, and that's what I think people have never figured out about Bill. Nobody adjusts more. Nobody uh, changes more. And this is often from week to week. Forget about year to year. Um, he'll play 3-4 one week. If he thinks it helps on defense, he'll use a different front the next week. Um you know, it could be two tight ends. We, we know the receivers over the years. If you think about the Patriots' long history, the only superstar receiver they ever had was Randy Moss for a very short period. Um, he always finds a way to cobble things together. And it's going to be interesting because I saw that team yesterday. They don't have a ton of talent. They, they really don't. Um, and it's going to be – it looks like it's going to be a struggle for them. 
but they're always going to be better than the sum of their parts. And you're right, Jody, that guy is got like a stealth, uh, um, um, sense of humor, a lot like Andy Reid. People think that of Andy. Andy's funny too when you get him away from the cameras. Yeah, Belichick uh, is is he he surprises people. So uh, former Eagle yesterday, uh, Nelson Aguilar. He kind of said, I, "I don't think he really wanted to talk about the past per se. He just kind of wanted to look forward into the future." What was your take on you know just all of Nelson Aguilar's press conference? Yeah, I mean Nelson's. Uh, Nelson's an interesting guy. I I always say he's very sensitive. Um, He takes it to heart uh, when he sees criticism. He knows everything that's said about him. Um, You know, he knows my Twitter account. He knows what I'm saying. And by the way, I, I gave Nelson the game ball yesterday, the practice game ball. He was tremendous. And I'm happy he played so well. And I know he wanted to play well coming back here and he did um he's got unbelievable talent and for whatever reason it just didn't put it all together here but he had a great super bowl so at the end of the day he had a great super bowl 52 now he didn't live up to his expectations we talked about that yesterday as a former first round pick you've seen him make plays with the raiders i think he's going to make plays with with the patriots he's always open he's a tremendous athlete he's a great route runner hard worker just can't catch the football consistently and when he does he had one of the best catches i've ever seen him make yesterday outside shoulder over sort of think about willie mays the famous catch in center field looking over just holding in i'm like where was that in philadelphia um, but he just doesn't do it consistently. Had some big drops here in town. Had some big catches, but had some very big drops. And uh, it's just a uh, football thing. You remember the bigger missed opportunities than the actual made opportunities. All right, J-Mac, I need your interpretation abilities here. In his press ability afterwards, Jalen Hurts was asked about Patriot interest in him and his relationship with Bill Belichick. And he just seemed too nervous to answer either of the two questions. And when he was asked about the Patriots, he actually came out and said, you guys know I usually have an answer for you, but I got no answer to that one. What the hell did that mean? Uh, Was it uh, close that the Patriots, if the Eagles hadn't taken Jalen Hurts, they would have taken Jalen Hurts? I I was very perplexed by the questions asked, not the questions, but the the answers by Jalen Hurts in regards to the Patriots. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I think it was more of he was taken a little bit off guard because it's been a while. You know, that, that was, you know, obviously he's in his second season. I, I didn't take more into it than that. I, I do think the Patriots were looking at him um, probably in the third round would be my assumption. A lot of teams were looking at him uh, in the third round. That's why the Eagles felt they had to jump because they knew probably knew he wouldn't be there if they waited. They tried that with Russell Wilson back in the day. Um, you know, hindsight says they should have jumped in the second round or uh, obviously far earlier. Um, and and you try to play that game, and they didn't want to do it with Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was more than that, other than they liked him as a player, uh, and they probably told him that he was in play at some point. Um, if if 
if he was going to be available. Um, and, and he introduced himself to Bill Belichick on the field. I think everybody's, you know, who's in this game is a little in awe of, of Bill Belichick when they meet him for the first time because of the reputation and, and rightfully so, by the way, John, I, it looks like Devonta Smith could be a pretty good punt return for the Eagles. If, Philadelphia would choose to use him in that role. Are they seriously considering that? I, I don't think so. I mean, he's always back there with the pump returners. He takes reps. Uh, now, obviously, he's been injured. Now he's coming back. But even during his, his time on the shelf, so to speak, he was back there watching the pump returners, taking the mental reps. Uh, but he would always be third or fourth in the rotation. Um, when they did it, when he was healthy. And I imagine it'll be the same way um, when he comes back. I, I think they they might use him in high leverage situations if it's in the fourth quarter and they need a big punt return. He's obviously their most explosive option. Uh, but and I, I don't know how real this is, but the NFL has this mentality and I would say the Eagles are in the same camp. You don't want, you know, your starting receiver to be your punt returner. Teams have done it. Teams have done it successfully. There's this mentality that you're going to get hurt doing. I, I don't know if that's not the statistics prove that out, but that's just the feeling the league has. And they don't want somebody who's going to carry that heavy burden on offense doing it uh, on special teams as well. But as I said, if they need, a big punt return and there's an option, uh, you know, in other words, the punter's not at the 50 yard line trying to pin you back, but maybe they're backed up and you know, you're going to get a chance for a return. Yeah. They might put them out there. Mm, see if you agree with me, both of you two guys on this one, there was a specific individual who got hurt on a specialty team's play and it, from that day on, it seemed to me that it almost changed the mindset of the National Football League that, ooh, can't risk a very important down-in, down-out player on special teams. Do you know who I'm referring to? Uh, not offhand. I've been struggling. I've been working Mr. Carr? Uh, you know, I, I have an idea, but I don't think it's right. So Go that, ahead, say. <laughs> you know, it's – I mean, well, one – I was thinking Tyreek Hill, but that he didn't get hurt. So no, it, this goes back significantly before that. Okay, then I, I'm probably lost. And not a guy you would readily think of because he wasn't a wide receiver. He was a defensive back. Jason Seahorn of the Giants. That's, that's right. Yeah, I, I always okay. thought he used to do that. <laughs> Got hurt on a uh, kickoff or a punt return. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, it was uh, but he was. Return. Yeah, he was uh, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. Yeah. Young guy just stepping into it, becoming one of the best players. Boom, gone for the entire year because he blew out his knee. And it seemed to me that's when the NFL's mindset changed that, yeah, you can't risk that. And no, it's important, but you're not going to put one of your top players back there. Uh, from that day on, and, and I'm sure there are numbers that can either quantify or qualify this or throw it out the window. Seems to me that uh, that's exactly what happened. John, I think you got the right read on it. They're going to treat him like Deshaun Jackson. Big yeah. game, fourth quarter, one score, need a big play. That's when you see Devonta Smith back. But second quarter of any game during the year, no chance, no shot. He's not going to be on specials. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. In fact, I, I didn't even think he would take reps uh, at early at punt returner, uh, and he did, so it surprised me. Uh, more from the fact that I just thought they would start him out uh, slower um, and, and want him, obviously, to learn the different wide receiver positions in this offense uh, and, and not put more on his plate. But they obviously think very highly of him. And the fact that they're putting him back there tells you that's what they're doing. Um, and, and the Eagles are smart. You know, as I said, when you have a punt coming from the 50, you know, Greg Ward's going to be out there because he's secure with it. Um, and when they have a chance for a return, it, it's probably going to be Jalen Rager. Um, and might not even be Jalen Rager. We'll see because if he starts playing a ton, um, so I, I think it's going to be more high leverage, high leverage situations with Devontae. Uh, John, Kendrick Bourne, this is before the Eagles and Patriots had their joint practice. He said the Eagles were interested in him in free agency. I remember hearing that, you know, and, you know, from the grapevine, whatever. Would they still be interested in like a veteran type receiver since they were looking at a type of player like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was their biggest need probably, you know, when when Devontae got hurt, um, first got hurt. Uh, I think the way Quez has kind of stepped up has uh, slowed people down on that. But I still think they need a veteran receiver. I mean, if we think about September 12th uh, and you're thinking about Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, boy, I mean – that's not a lot of experience. Uh, I mean, Greg Ward is the most experienced guy on this team. Um, I, I would think it was the one glaring hole. That Steve Nelson and kind of clear issues. Wow. Somebody who, who's at least, at least success. Um, but I think the way Quez has handled himself has made that less of a necessity, at least to the public. But I think behind the scenes, and it's funny because Howie Roseman was watching practice with, I think it's Mike Ziegler, the Patriots' new uh, personnel guy uh, who replaced Nick Cesario. I mean, they're looking, they were watching practice together right in front of me, five feet away from me. I was trying to eavesdrop. I couldn't hear a damn word, but, you know, they're probably talking about their families, their friends, but you never know. They might be talking about, hey, you know, Harry's not happy uh, on the Patriots, Andre Dillard. You know, you never know with this league where stuff starts. But I, I would think Howie's smart enough to know uh, preseason is what it is. Practice is what it is. Rookie receiver, second year receiver that had a lot of injuries second-year receiver who really didn't play at all as a rookie, that's that is, that's tough to lean on. You, well, you need something. Uh, I, I think, as a matter of fact, Nikhil Harry's a veteran? Not really, unless it's no, the No, I was just using that was more of uh, just those two talking and seeing how things can happen. Yeah, I'd rather have a, 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 fart, a more uh, veteran presence than that. Um, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously. Uh, but there'll be guys on the street, obviously. You know, today's to cut down from 90 to 85. 
that's not that big of a deal. Then you go 85 to 80. Then you have the big cut. There'll be guys on the street from 80 to 53. Nobody great. I'm not saying you have need somebody to come in to be a starter, but I would like sort of a safety net uh, if you can improve at that position uh, in case one of the young players. Because, you know, and, and that's one of the biggest issues, guys, with this season. We say if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, the Eagles can be better than people expect. Well, you know all those ifs are not going in a positive direction. So as a GM, you you got to prepare for, you know, things not going to plan. And if you're telling me you have three young receivers who have barely played, Jalen Rager being the most experienced, and we know how his rookie season went, and you think all three of them are going to not have any hiccups, I, I, I don't like that. I need a contingency for that. Understood. You got to prepare for worst case scenario. Um, you mentioned the cut downs after today's practice. Four Eagles m- must go. You want to give us uh, four guys who uh, should have their things packed and ready to take out of the Novacare complex by later on this afternoon? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Harry Kreider. Uh, I don't think the Eagles need 17 centers. I think he's the 17th. Uh, people don't even know who. And by the way, he he, he often dribbles the ball back on shotgun snaps. So yeah, that's not do, good. That's yeah, not you good. can't do that. You can't do that as a center. Uh, Jamon Osborne, he's uh, a receiver. I think he had three reps uh, in the preseason. Oper. That's a glaring. Uh, in you know, that's kind of writing on the wall territory. Um, Blake Countess, I think. Uh, who played a ton, I think he's going to go. A lot of times you look at who's the last one to arrive. They're the first one to go. Kayvon Wallace was back at practice, so I don't think they need the body uh, as much any longer. Um, And then i got to think of a fourth. uh, uh, I'll give you you a couple names. You tell me which one do you think it is. Rashad Smith got beat up pretty good in the first exhibition game. Yeah. He was yeah. not good, and I'm not sure he makes it through today. And the other guy I hate to throw into the mix, but Elijah Holyfield. And I know everybody likes him, and he's a hard worker, and he's a popular yeah. guy on the team. They're going to keep him just because he's the best between the tackles guy they have? Eh, I don't think so. Nah, so. Well, Jordan's the best between the tackle guys, and Jordan Howard's going to make this team. Yeah, Elijah will be in the conversation. I always don't cut Elijah to 53 for what you said, though, Jody. He works so hard. He's such a, a good representation of how you should practice. I think they like to keep him around. That's just my theory uh, until the till the end. But he could certainly be one to go. Now they might need they might feel they need the body as well because Kerryon Johnson is now out with the knee injury, and he's going to be out week to week, um, probably more to be honest. Um, so I think that might save him. But yeah, he's in the conversation. Yeah, he's but if they. If they need an extra running back, they can always take one of the seven tight ends they still have on the roster. Even after <laughs> Caleb Wilson gets picked off waivers, they still got seven tight ends. Jay Mack, that position's got to get cut down too. Yeah, and Jason Croom has been injured. He's back. He might be a candidate, uh, and he's got a little bit more experience. They might want to do him a solid to let him out there a little bit earlier. Remember, if you're cut earlier, sometimes it helps you. You see the Saints cut some veteran guys. 
Prince of Mukamura, somebody else, I forget. You know, that's doing them a favor. To, so they're not in the glut from 80 to 53 where you can get lost. Uh, maybe you can hook on somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, uh, 90 to 85, nobody, nobody, nobody of vast importance, unfortunately, is going to go. Did the, Giants, tough, did, tough did the Giants do Clayton Thorson a solid by letting him go? One of Howie's uh, Roseman's most infamous draft picks? Uh, well, you know, he's got to finish up his tour of the NFC East. So, yeah, they want to they get him started, uh, I guess, with the Washington football team. Because yeah, that, that'll be the final one. I think they got enough quarterbacks down there in Washington, yeah. John. <laughs> By the way, uh, are we finally getting – a better representation now a week to week. It actually means week to week, not, Oh, we'll see you in two months. Yeah. They seem to be more honest about injuries, this regime than the last regime. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's probably the head coach, uh, probably the PR guy coming back, Bob Lang. Um, yeah. They've been more honest about injuries. Uh, well, then, then give me the honest take on, uh, the guy who I got overly concerned with this uh, offseason and the fact that he didn't sign his contract till late. Uh, we're going to see Landon Dickerson in a practice before the start of the season. We know he's not going to play in any of the preseason games, but uh, is there a chance we will actually see him suit up and practice before the season gets underway? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it doesn't look close at all. I, I mean, the timing alone, I, I thought it was it made a lot of sense uh, for him to start the season on pop. What the Eagles have said is that it's not a redshirt year for him. It's not a Sidney Jones year. So they expect him back at some point. Uh, and Sidney played, I think, week 17, um, his rookie season. Um, so they don't expect it to be that. Uh, but I, I do think they're going to be extra cautious. I've said this before. I mean, Landon is a big, big dude. Not Jordan Mylotta big, but he might be the second biggest offensive lineman. Well, Lane's in that conversation, but he's about 330. Um, last thing you want to do is push that guy and say, okay, it's nine months. Go out there and, and, and do it. Um, I think they want to be cautious. And the pick is about 2022, uh, but they expect him to be, I, I would say after the pup, you know, maybe six weeks, maybe that. Uh, and, and who knows? They might do some roster tricks. If they think it's closer, they can carry him and then put him on inj injured reserve after the cut to 53 uh, and have him out for three weeks. So it's going to be probably one of those two scenarios. Jay, Matt, great stuff. Uh, no, you got to get to practice. Thanks for coming on with us today. Uh, feel free to give uh, Belichick a high five for us. All right, I got I got a hello from from the goat. Like, Very yes. nice. Oh, All right, tip tip All your right, hat tip your hat for Birds three sixty five. He is John McMullen, the uh, usual co-host. Jeff Kerr filling in for him, doing a great job, and we got Johnny Mac up to start the show because he's got to get his nose into practice. Practice day two between the Patriots and the Eagles before the Thursday night exhibition game. All right, uh, Curry McDonald, hanging with you on Bird Street 65. Come back. I got a couple more things. I want to run by JK. Stay with us. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. 
But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Tis Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Jody McDonald along with Jeff Kerr. Thank Johnny Mack for giving us his pre and post. Well, post as per yesterday's practice. Pre as per today's practice Eagles uh, report. Uh, one of the things we touched down with John that uh, I want to follow up with you, Jeff, is the wide receiver position. Uh, good news is Devonta Smith was back yesterday running routes, not competing against anybody, just uh, getting some footwork in and some uh, exercise in. Uh, but it looks like he's going to be good to go for the first game of the season. And we may even see him for a couple of snaps in the final preseason game against the Jets next week. Just to let him get his feet wet and out there uh, with an actual Eagle jersey on during an actual Eagle game. Even if it is just a preseason game, which is a, a major plus. Because um, when he hurt his knee, I remember 
there was an immediate hush over the practice uh, at the time because uh, Jalen uh, Devontae Smith came with the fact that he was 160 some odd pounds and people were worried that he was not going to be able to take the rigors of a National Football League season. Well, sure enough, he gets hurt before they even get to an exhibition game. But it was a non-contact injury. That's why I thought it was a non-story. But it is good to have him back and in the mix. You got Rager. You got Ward. You got Watkins, who's making a statement for himself. Hightower is a guy who's unfortunately been slowed by injuries during this uh, offseason. They've got a bunch of other guys on the roster. Do they really need a veteran guy? I think I, they uh, I think they do because the receiving core is ridiculously young. And you pointed out, Jody. I mean, and John said, too, the most experienced wide receiver on this team is Greg Ward. If you look at Jalen Rager, he didn't have that many catches last year, and he's still ridiculously young. I think he's only 22. I I got to make sure he's 22 or 23, but he's still really young. Devonta Smith's a rookie. Travis Fulgham doesn't have a ton of experience here. He was a 2019 draft pick, and, you know, he's inconsistent. Uh, Quez Watkins is – you know, as impressive as he's been in camp, it would be nice for them for to get somebody. I mean, I don't think, you know, we're going to get lucky like in 2002 where Antonio Freeman just somehow gets cut by the Green Bay Packers and he just signs with the Eagles like two days later. I don't think you're going to get a player like that. But you need somebody in here. You need some veteran. And that's why I was kind of intrigued by the whole James Washington thing. And I'm sure there's going to be other players available. Like, Alan Hearns was a guy I thought could help them, but he's hurt now. He's out three months. So that's not going to – that's not an option. You know, I thought Anthony Miller would have been a nice little addition, but he got hurt too. I don't even think he's going to come back the rest of the year. That's how David Culley was talking yesterday. So it's going to be interesting to see if any receiver gets caught, you know, prior to the 53-man deadline or if they try to work out a trade. I mean, they do have some trade chips to give um, – you know, a team for a, at least a decent wide receiver. And again, he doesn't have to start, but I think they need somebody in there that can kind of help these young guys out because there's going to be a time where Quez Watkins struggles this year. There's going to be a time when Jalen Rager struggles this year. There may even be a time when Devonta Smith struggles this year. I think they need to get some veteran in there. Yeah. Um, if manna from heaven comes down okay fine scoop him up like you uh, said with freeman uh that was a good recall by you by the way um yeah i'm i'm okay with that i'm not giving up any asset even a seventh round draft pick unless you have the perfect guy who's the perfect fit who you can get for a seventh round pick because the other team has and for a guy to become available that means he's not that other team's Tops in their top six receivers. So how good is he? Just because he's been around for a while, because he's got a couple of years under his belt, because he may have had a bunch of catches in 2018. I don't really care. I'd rather uh, roll the dice. What was the word that uh, Jeff Laurie used in describing this season? Not rebuilding. He wanted to say transition. It's a transition year. Well, Transition to young guys. Keep all the young guys. Why do I need somebody else's cast off who just happened to have five years on his resume in the league? Well, that's the other thing too, and that's a little. That's the difference between the Antonio Freeman thing. The 2002 Eagles were really good. They, yeah, they should went to the Super Bowl. Like that's how good. They, I still am on record. They're better than the 2014 that actually went to the Super Bowl. But I digress. There, uh, this team is not competing for a Super Bowl. 
They're, they're not. And I got to be realistic on that. They can compete for the NFC East, but what's that going to get you? A home playoff game, and then you're going to lose to whoever the second-place team is in the NFC West? Okay, you know, if that's what you want to go, fine. If they make the playoffs, that's awesome. I, I honestly think they should get a receiver to help the quarterback out. I think you need a perfect evaluation of this quarterback and something that you did not get the previous quarterback that much help in after 2017. And that was the wide receiver position. That's why I thought they'd be a little more aggressive in free agency. I don't know if the Juju, the Juju Smith-Schuster thing was actually legit, that they were interested in him. I never heard anything about that, so that was news to me. But a guy like him would have been nice for a team like this, even on a one-year deal. Because it's for him, it would have been a prove-it deal. And then you got young guys like Devonta Smith in here. And, you know, Quez Watkins could have developed under his own merit. It's again, I, I just think they need to get somebody. Like, I, I thought a Josh Reynolds would have been nice for this team. Maybe even a Sammy Watkins. I don't know if the Eagles were interested in him either, but it seemed like they, they had certain guys that they wanted to fit the system. And I think they can get somebody in here, but I, I agree with you, Jody. This isn't like this team's going to compete for a Super Bowl where we're not even sure if they can compete for the division title at this point. That's what worries me, but – if you want to ride with the young guys, I'm fine with that. But you, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be three, four weeks in the year. They're going to be struggling. We're going to be like, see, they should have got a veteran. Uh, and I'll be okay with that because I am taking a stance here saying, and and let me get on the record here. We don't know who's going to become available. We don't know who's going to be out there. Maybe there is a wide receiver who gets traded from one team to another for a fifth-round draft pick, and we say afterwards, hey, the Eagles should have been willing to give up their fifth-round draft pick to that guy. I reserve the right to second-guess Howie Roseman on that front. But as we sit here today, I just don't know who that guy is going to be, who's going to get cut by another team because he couldn't crack their six wide receivers. He's got some moxie to him and some resume to him that he's done it in the league that'll come in and be a veteran guy and maybe have the confidence of that quarterback. I just don't know who that guy is. I, I could go through every single roster in the NFL and say, all right, well, they're their top five receivers. And this guy's on the outside looking in, and he's already done this in the league. I don't have one of those guys. And I, I did look for it last week when the talk was, oh, hey, they got to get to veteran wide receiver. They got to get a veteran wide receiver. I couldn't find that guy on someone else's roster. And I said, yeah, this guy's actually not going to make it all the way to the 53. Now, what you said about Juju Smith-Schuster, Oh, that I agree with. When the free agent wide receivers were out there, a guy you would absolutely positively just plug it. If you think Devonta Smith's going to be a star, all right, he's your one. This guy's your two. Or one and one A, like a Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, that I agreed with. That ship sailed, Jeff. Yep. All those guys signed. That was uh, back in May or June. No, 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 no. You can't get your hands on those guys anymore. They're all on other teams' rosters. That's why I'm saying... Roll the dice with these young guys. Do I really need to bring in a guy who just because he's been in the league for five years, who got cut by somebody else, bring him in just for the sake of having a veteran? I think that's an overstatement. And we got to put this in perspective, too. This wasn't like a Steven Nelson type thing. That was a need. You needed Steven Nelson. And you're going up against C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper twice a year. You need Steven Nelson. I'm not sure... If they need a veteran wide receiver, it'd be nice to have. Like, I think it's a nice luxury. If you want to let these kids grow, fine. I, I mean, I think they should get a veteran because I think having a veteran at every position helps. That, that's just the way, you know, uh, I think a football team should be built. But if you want Jalen Hurts to gain chemistry with these guys, 
And I'm okay with that. And, you know, again, it's not like John Hightower stunk last year. You know, he got hurt and then he kind of fell out of favor for whatever reason it was. Because there was a time last year John Hightower led the league in 40-yard catches. As hard as that is to believe, John Hightower actually led the league in 40-yard catches at one point last year over Tyreek Hill, over Nelson Aguilar, over any of these guys. He led the league. And so you know the guy's got potential there. It's just how's he going to see the field? And I think Devonta Smith covers up a lot of this. Like, I think when he gets on the field, you're going to forget about all that. But it's more of, can Jalen Rager step up? And if Jalen Rager could step up, which is what you have to find out anyway, that's where the veteran thing, because you know what's going to happen, Jody. People are going to be like, well, that, that guy should be playing over Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager ain't getting the job done. Well, don't you want to find out that Jalen Rager can get the job done? I want to get your uh, take on this. I don't think you got, I got you on the record on this. I have certainly asked John, and John continues to dodge and move and weave because he was as big a staunch supporter as Andre Dillard as he was. Dillard is hurt. Dillard got dominated in this preseason battle between he and Jordan Mailata. Raven Clark just came back. We're going to get a chance to see if he's up to speed enough that they think he's going to be able to make their roster for game number one. And the coaching staff has a working knowledge of the player. The first one to go there was uh, our buddy Brendan Lee Gowton, the Bleeding Green Nation. Jimmy Kemsky followed suit yesterday. That They don't think that Andre Dillard should make this roster. That he isn't good enough to keep as one of your 53 players this year that if Howie Roseman can get a seventh-round pick from that would be a good move because if not, you could very well decide, no, we can't even keep him at all. He needs to be cut. Which is more, which looks worse? Which is more a slap in the face to Howie Roseman? Trading Andre Dillard for a seventh-round pick or cutting Andre Dillard? Well, you don't cut Andre Diller. And by the way, did they see this before a certain 39-year-old left tackle signed with the Bears? Yeah, well, uh, Kemsky was yesterday. BLG was last week. Yeah, see, that's the thing. This league is so left tackle deficient. Someone will take a chance on Andre Diller and overpay for him if the Eagles make him available. Maybe the Eagles can do a player-for-player player, player player swap. Who knows? But you, you don't cut him. Not after two years. Uh, you just don't. I mean, I know the guy hasn't looked good, but you can get something for this guy. Someone is going to take a chance on Andre Dillard and say, you know, he was a first-round pick, and maybe we can develop him. We just got to get him healthy. I honestly feel you can get a fourth-round pick for Andre Dillard because that's how bad the left tackle situation is, and that's what football No prayer. No prayer fourth-round pick. Just go around the league, and I'm like, wait, he's starting? Like, Kelvin Beecham started games last year. Like, come on. He's not any good. Like, someone's going to take a chance on this guy. I don't – you know, it's going to come down to right before the season, oh, man, we're, we're desperate. And, you know, we, we can't go with this journeyman. We can't go with Mike Remmers. Uh, you know, I know Kansas City has him. They're not going to go after him. But, look, it's – this league is so tackle deficient. You can get something for Andre Dillard. That's why I don't think you cut him. I think you can trade him. And I think you can maybe trade your damaged goods for another player's damaged goods or goods they don't want. But I wouldn't – it is a bad look if they come three years. In. It's not as bad as Mike Bellamy getting cut in 1990. But 
it's not a good look for Howie Roseman that they traded up to get Andre Dillard, who, by the way, was pretty good in college, but it tells me more about how much Mike Leach actually gets his players ready for the pros than anything else. Agreed on that front. Um, I just don't think he's got the value. I think we are putting too high a value on him because the Eagles used the draft pick that they did on him. He has not done anything in the National Football League. He didn't get a chance to play left tackle because they were already married to Jason Peters. They're a declining Jason Peters, which was probably a mistake. I know he was supposed to jump in and be their starting left tackle last year. Oops. If you don't play, you're not accomplishing anything. Being on injured reserve counts for a zippity-doo-dah, as far as I'm concerned. And then finally, a open competition this year. He has been crushed by Jordan Mailata in the competition. We probably know that better than anybody else. I guess you're banking on the rest of the league not knowing how uh, dominated he was in this campus to why you think you can get a day three pick for this guy. Because I don't think it's out there to be had, Jeff. Well, that's the other thing, too. And I'd love to ask people around the league, hey, what are your thoughts on Andre Dillard? Because if they're hearing what we know, <laughs> yeah, then you probably won't get anything for him. But I, sometimes I, I feel like a lot of scouts – it, it's not all of them, but a lot of them go, man, he was a first-round pick. He's got some talent, and, you know, we really liked him two years ago, but the Eagles traded up, and they got him, and, you know, we kept – you know, I'm really starting to think of all this because I remember going into that 19 draft. Andre Dillard was, at the very least, the top 15 pick, and I kept saying to myself, why is this guy falling? Like, what did he do the fall? Because he wasn't injured. There wasn't anything that – no red flags. Like, I remember, like, I asked a lot of our draft scouts, to see, there were no red flags with him. So why is he falling? Was it just – it was a weak left tackle class and they were trying to figure it out? Well, maybe someone found out that it wasn't tough enough. And you kind of need to be tough to be an offensive lineman in the National Football League or when the going gets tough, this guy falters. You know, it, maybe he did something wrong on those, you know, combine tests, those wonder lick tests. Who knows? And – I think that's why they ask some of these guys these ridiculous questions. I think they want to hear the answer. I don't think it's – they know the question's ridiculous and stupid. It's just how do you answer that? Like if you kind of defer or if you get upset by that, then what does that tell you as, you know, when you're going to get hit on the football field? I know that's a, such a barbarian way of thinking, but I, I'm telling you, I think that's why they do they do these ridiculous questions like, you know uh, – Stupid question about your girlfriend or something like that. I, I'll never get it, but I, I don't know, Jody. It's, something happened there. Why was Andre Dillard in a lot of draft boards, top 11, top 12, and all of a sudden he fell to 22? And he would have fell even further if the Eagles didn't trade up for him, but it looked like there were two teams interested in him, the Eagles and the Texans, and the Eagles knew the Texans wanted him, so they jumped. And whatever question it was that the Eagles added to their combine interview for Andre Dillard, it seems like it wasn't the right question. That's why the Eagles were not asking the right question of Dillard. All right, uh, let's take a quickie time out here, come back. We were just talking about the wide receivers. I want to bring someone else into the wide receiver conversation, wide receiver mix, and that's a member of the Eagles coaching staff. We'll do that next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. He is Jeff Kerr. I am Jody McDonald. We are your birds, 365 guys. Appreciate you tuning in here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, got a hour number two guest coming up for you. Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad, uh, one of your better do-it-all sports websites here in town. And Kevin is the do-it-all guy there. He covers absolutely everything. I hope he can still hop on with us. He committed to come on with us. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now, Jeff, that the uh, section just announced that they have given the Supermax to Joel Embiid almost $200 million. Uh, Joel, all, all want, by himself, Jody. No agent. The you want to help a brother out, Joel? Can you can you lend me twenty bucks? I think you can afford that now. Give me tickets, Joel. That's all I want. Hundred ninety six million dollar contract. Good for him. He earned it. He deserves it. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot of money, but it's probably money well spent. So I'm sure Kevin will be writing about that. But we hope to get him on here to talk a couple minutes of birds with us. 
Uh, I uh, something I wanted to touch on with you here, Jeff. What would you say the percentage chance JJ Arcega Whiteside makes this Eagle roster? This is the first time we mentioned him all day. Yes, that's pretty bad. Yes, it's, you know what? It, there's the cut. It might be him. I mean, he's not even. Is he even in the building at this point? Like, is I mean, we know he was bad. Like, everybody wants to talk about Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. I still think J.J. Arcega Whiteside is a lot worse just because of how bad he's been. At least Jalen Rager still has the potential to salvage his career. This guy, it's there. There have been receivers in the in the National Football League that have more catches in a game than he's had in his career. It's embarrassing. I understand. He had count them one hand when you can. Put your year's catches, your entire year's catches on one hand. He had four last year. That's a really bad sign. Uh, so I take it you think his percentage chance of making the team is damn close to zero? Is that what you're saying, Carr? Let me tell you, if there were four preseason games, he'd be playing the whole fourth preseason game as an audition for another team. Mm, okay. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Two points out of this. Number one is, and he was a second-round pick two years ago. So you can't cut Andre Dillard because he was a first-round pick. But you can go ahead and cut J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and not even blanch or blink. It's going to look bad for Howie either way. I know there's a difference between a one and a two. But a two's a pretty damn important pick, too. You think, and you're not even worried about it, uh, cutting J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I know he stinks. Uh, I'll say it. I know he stinks. And, again, I just think you can – you can live without J.J. Ortega Whiteside. You might need Andre Dillard at some point. I, I, I hate to say it. You might need – I know they like the uh, Raven Clark because he's familiar with Nick Sariani and all that time with the Colts and that coaching staff, but – Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Again, I think you can get some for Andre Diller because it's more of the unknown. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I, I know what I've seen in him. It's not good. I mean, the guy couldn't even get on the field in a playoff game with Deontay Burnett and um, I I forget all these guys. Like, you know, all these wives. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Um, the fast guy from Washington. Uh, I can never I can never remember his name. But he couldn't even get on the field then, and he was a second-round pick. Uh I'm ready to move on for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I just don't think that guy – he can go to CFL and try to revitalize his career at this point. Well, I, I'm with you on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and I that's one of the reasons why I think Andre Dillard can actually be cut. 
when you get something wrong, you have to be able to admit to it. And I get the fact that general managers want to protect their own picks and their own reputation, and they want to give the guy every last chance. I'm with you on JJR saying Whiteside, the last chance is coming gone. And I'm pretty much there with Andre Dillard. I just think that his, and I know we're making a call off practice reps against his own teammates. He's been so bad this offseason. I think there is a chance that they're going to have to cut him because how he's going to shop him and no team is going to offer him. They're going to, because what happens, Jeff, and I know you know this, teams dare you to keep guys on your roster. You put in a call and say, we're willing to part with this guy. Don't really need much in return. Day three pick is all it will take. This guy could start for you. Yeah, you're going to try and sell that. The general manager on the other end of the phone is going to roll his eyes. Uh, yeah, maybe he's my backup. He's not my starter. No chance. No shot. And when the conversation ends, the other general manager saying, well, see you on the waiver wire. Because they don't believe you're going to keep the guy. They don't believe you're going to use up a roster spot on him. If they really have some interest in him, they'll just dare you to go ahead and keep him. And if you cut him, well, they're going to pick him up. Rather than give up a draft pick in exchange for him, they'll just wait till you cut him. And now, I think that's what's going to happen with the Eagles here with Andre Dillard. Now, I want to know what's more embarrassing for you, Jody. Is keeping your former first-round pick that you traded up for on the bench or just cutting it? Well, here's, here's what it comes down to to me. You have to weigh the grief you're going to take from Kerr, McDonald, McMullen, the streamers on Birds 365, the callers on WIP, uh, the Eagle beat writers who are going to point out that in two-plus years, Andre Dillard played a total of X amount of snaps, and the Eagles gave up together. You're going to have to read about all that. And Jeff Laura, your boss is going to read about all that or hear about it on Birds 365 or WIP or wherever else. Weigh that against your job, which is to give your coach the best roster possible to start the 2021 season. And if you can't legitimately with everyone, and now he's going to have his own opinion, but you have to be careful. You got to take other people's opinions, your coaching staff chief among them that you can't justify keeping him, that he's not one of your 53 best players, then you got to do the right thing by the team and say, even though it's going to blow back on me and I'm going to look bad, I have to do the right thing and I have to release this guy. By the way, I have to point this out. When is Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman? I, I think this is more Laurie than Roseman. When are these guys going to learn, these guys from the Pac-12, these West Coast guys, they don't do well over Andre Diller, perfect example. I didn't really know what the like what the atmosphere was going to be like or something like that. I'm like, really? Like, you're going to be a professional athlete? No one ever told you about how cutthroat Philadelphia can be? And, you know, Nelson Aguilar, kind of the same way. Like, he goes back out west, and all of a sudden, he, he he's one of the best deep ball receivers in the league. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, another guy. It's I, I just don't get it. It's almost like the Eagles tried to replicate, like, the Phillies from, like, the, their prime years. Let's go get all these guys from, like, the California area or those guys out west and because they're so cool, calm, and collected, they can deal with anything, you know, the Chase Utleys and the Cole Hamels of the world. But well, it's uh, – we, we had John on earlier singing the praises of Nelson Aguilar that uh, he's a gifted athlete and he looked good in practice yesterday. He, he had a great Super Bowl for the Eagles, but he's another one you could probably add to that list of a West Coast guy that they brought in, thought was going to play here well on the East Coast. Uh, there are certain positions where I don't think you want to do that. One where it actually plays okay is tight end. 
They've gotten both of yeah. their tight ends from the uh, other side of the country, if you want to call uh, the Dakotas uh, the other side of the country, which I do. Um, they've been okay at doing that at tight end. Maybe it's a positional thing, Jeff. Uh, maybe it is. And, you know, again, Zach Ertz, I don't really think things bug him that much. Like, I've talked to Zach Ertz a bunch of times. Like, I, I know he barely, like, I, I remember one time I, like, misquoted him once. And he just said to me, hey, you know, I, I didn't mean it that way. And, you know, I apologize if I did. Like, you don't hear a professional athlete say that. Like, they admit, like, hey, I didn't really mean it that way. And I said, no, no, I'll, I'll clarify it. And, you know, did and. Yeah, I didn't have to do that, and he didn't ask me to do it. So I thought that was really cool of him saying, hey, you know, I could see where you thought that. Like, I have a feeling like a Nelson Aguilar or Andre Joe would be like, hey, you know, what are you doing here? You know, what are you trying to ruin my rep or something? Like, no, it's like I, I just think some guys are just, I don't know, they're just built differently. I mean, it's Zach Ertz is one of those guys. I, th- I think that's why he was so emotional because he thought he was – actually going to be out of here and he liked it he likes it here but you know it's just certain things happen and uh, you seem to be doing pretty well with guys from the south i mean <laughs> you know the jalen hurts is in the devonta smiths of the world it, it just seems like in the I, I don't know maybe they should just dip into the sec pool a little bit more a couple of key alabama guys are gonna have a lot to say with the eagles this year all right uh speaking of jj Arsake Whiteside and all the wide receivers i asked john how many thought he was going to cap he thinks osborne could be cut today that would be a bit of a, a surprise for me because you just need receivers to get through your drills all the way through practice. I, I don't think they're going to keep seven, but I think they're going to try and keep six when the roster comes around. And they do have question marks. I am not going to uh, front here and say the Eagle wide receiver core is done and it's uh, solid and it's going to be a strength of the team. I don't know that even with the high expectations I have for Devonta Smith. They got questions. And I got questions that need to be answered. Here's a question for you. Aaron Moorhead, the Eagles wide receiver coach. I got to give credit to my buddy Jeffrey Knox from InsideTheEagles.com. I wrote an, uh, read an article he wrote yesterday. I said, damn, he's right. Do we ever scrutinize Aaron Moorhead? We talk about the Eagles and the turnover and the coaching staff and the players and the like. And we talk about positional coaches a lot, specifically Jeff Stoutland. It isn't like we never talk about positional coaches. Aaron Moorhead is one of the only two holdovers from Doug Peterson's uh, uh, staff, uh, with Stoutland being the other one. No one brings him up. No one calls him into question. He's the guy who had J.J. Arcega Whiteside, who he got all of four catches last year. And uh, Jalen Rager, who had a less than stellar rookie season. And now you have this season rolling around with some question marks. If you're going to call him on the carpet for what he hadn't done, Quez Watkins looks good so far. You got to give him some credit. But we never analyze Aaron Moorhead, the Eagles wide receiver coach. Why do you think that is? Probably because we've had so many wide receiver coaches in Philadelphia since Doug Pearson's became. Yeah, you got two years in a row. That should be, we we should feel good about the fact that we had a wide receiver coach who actually stuck around for two years. Yeah, they fire after one year. Now they consider one of the best wide receiver coaches in the NFL. He's in Kansas City. Greg Lewis. It's it's ironic what happens when you actually have talent at wide receiver. Uh, how much yeah. perception changes of, of you? Because Greg Lewis was the scapegoat here for Nelson Aguilar and. You know, Mike Rowe, he got promoted because he was such a good wide receiver coach. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just – there's something they like about Aaron Moorhead, and, you know, maybe because he was a former NFL receiver and, 
Nick Sariani likes him. You know, he must have really crushed him in the interview because, and he's right. Like we don't really criticize him. And I, I think he gets a lot of credit for Travis Fulgham last year and the run Travis Fulgham went. Because you don't see athlete, athletes like Travis Fulgham go on those ridiculously Terrell Owens like runs. Like even if it was for only five games, you got to give credit where credit is due. And Aaron Moorhead must have found something in this game. Like they took a chance on him. And like there, there were guys I thought last year that improved. I mean, Jalen Rager, we all want to get on Jalen Rager, but. Jalen Rager was hurt last year. I mean, he hurt the thumb. That slowed him down a bit. He did not have a, a training camp or a preseason like this where he could learn from his mistakes. Like, I, I would love to see Jalen Rager do what he did on Thursday night. You drop a pass in preseason, and you come back, and you run this awesome crisp route. And what does he do? He catches the ball. Like, I think that's how you learn, and he didn't get that opportunity last year. So that's why I'm still kind of holding out hope for a guy like that. But overall, I think – when you look at like Quez Watkins, when you look at what John Hightower was able to do the first seven, eight weeks last year before he disappeared, um, I think that's why Aaron Moorhead doesn't really get a lot of flack because I think he's gotten the most out of what he's had, and maybe that's why Nick Sirianni brought him back. They said, you know what, you did a pretty good job at what you had last year, and I'd like to see you do this again. And you know, maybe he'll get rid of him after this year, but I think they like how he develops players. If you're going to cut uh, Rager slack for last year because of injury concerns, and, and you can go there if you want, uh, I think I'd be careful not to give him too much slack. He had a disappointing year. I, was- uh, no other way to slice it, but disappointing. This year, he started a year quasi-injured again, couldn't pass his conditioning test at the beginning of the year. I know some issues off the field with the passing of a good friend. Uh, is Jalen Rager getting dangerously close to be being considered an injury-prone player? I think we have to wait till the season to figure that out, or you know, if he gets hurt in these games. I mean, it's one year. I don't really believe in the concept of injury-prone. If you want to be honest, like I know Carson Wentz gets injured a lot. I say injured a lot. I don't say injury-prone. It's a weird, really. It's a weird dynamic, yeah. Because I know guys that are in the best shape of their life all the time, and they just. They just get injured. It, it, it happens. I don't know if it's that just, that that would be injury prone. I know, but I, again, it's I just don't like to use the term. I I I, I don't know. It's maybe it just I, me. I got I got no problem with it. No problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, you can let me all you want with that. I just say injured a lot, but yeah, it's. I think we're gonna have to wait till regular season on Riker. I do. Like if he gets hurt the first second game of the year, I'm gonna be like, well, there there goes the season for him, or you know, like. I, I I don't know. Do you consider Brian Westbrook injury prone? Like or or like I always said he was injured a lot because he always had week to week injuries and never practiced. And all of a sudden he would show up and play. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's all I care about. If if he shows up on Sundays, I don't care what the hell he did during the week. I remember there was an entire season that Steve McNair never practiced. Yeah, <laughs> never. He would never practice. He was on the injured list week one all the way up. Doubtful, questionable. All right, he had a good week. They put him up there as probable, but he was never in the lineup on the the, the Friday injury report. Every single week he you was know, injured. You know, he played Patrick. every single game that year. So I don't care what the injury report said. Just tell me, did the guy play on Sunday or not? I remember in the Super Bowl year, he was on the injury list. And Jeff Fisher said, you actually think he's going to miss the Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't think Fisher could believe it. 
and uh, Fisher benefited from him and almost won a Super Bowl with him. He came up just short. But no, uh, injury. you get the injury-prone label when you miss games, when you're not capable of playing on Sundays. Uh, you can work that out with your coaching staff as to how much you practice. If they got faith in you and you've got faith in yourself that you don't need to practice during the week, uh, yes, I'll cut you as much slack as possible. I know Allen Iverson didn't believe in practice, and I guess I don't believe in practice for a guy who's been around for a while and has already established himself. Jalen Reagan can't do that. Brian Westbrook got to a point where he was already established. Brian, practice, optional? What do you say? What do you want to do? You don't want to practice? Don't sweat it. Steve McNair, same thing. Don't sweat it. We'll get you up on Sunday. Uh, Jalen Rager, not there yet. Yeah, I, that's the thing. Like it's, And again, Jerry, like if Jalen Rager gets hurt this year, it, it's – I mean, I, I don't know what you do at, at this point. It's I want to see him healthy. I want to see what he does a full season healthy. But asking a player to be healthy in a 17-game season is pretty much asinine. Not, not everybody is like um, John Runyon, who never missed a football game, ever. Like, he just didn't. He, it, it, that's another one, by the way. He never really I, – I don't even remember him practicing like half the time, but he started right tackle for the Titans and the Eagles on Sundays. And uh, we'll see if it plays out that th- that way this year for Rager, Reagan and a couple of other guys on this Eagle roster. One last note on Aaron Moorhead before we take the time out. One of the reasons why I think that he's kind of flying under the radar with what the Eagles wide receivers are doing, and uh, people should know he is the one of only two repeat coaches on this Eagle staff. A couple of guys ahead of him on the flow chart, on the, the pecking order, on the totem pole, are guys well-known for dealing with wide receivers. And that's their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, and their head coach, Nick Sirianni, both of which have wide receiver backgrounds. Nick was a wide receiver. Steichen coached wide receivers. So maybe it's a group effort that are trying to get these wide receivers together, that it's not so much, Aaron, here's your group, make the most of it, and tell us you're good to go. Uh, Know that the entire coaching staff has got an eye on the wide receiver position. Do you think that's part of the mindset the Eagles are going with now? Oh, certainly. And you know, Nick Sirianni, I think we've learned over these last three weeks, he is a teacher as much as he is a football coach. I mean, you're seeing that with all the hands-on stuff with the tough love to Jalen Rager, and guys like Rager responded to that. And, yeah, I think it's a bunch of – I think it's always a good thing when you have a bunch of coaches that are specific in one position because I think it helps the entire position. It's, it's one of those where – Sirianni could say something and Steichen could be like, hey, you know, you might want to do this too. And, you know, Aaron Warren, you know, he can relay that to those guys. It's That's where I think it, that's one reason why I like the Sirianni hire when they hired him. Like, all right, he's got background wide receivers. He's worked with wide receivers a lot of years. And I always forgot Steichen did because I always saw Steichen as like the quarterback guru because of, you know, what Herbert used to, when he told me about him and all that stuff. So, yeah, but – these guys, it's I, – I think this team, if again, if they're looking to keep younger younger receivers, don't have the veteran, I think they're looking at is how many of these young guys can we develop. We're not going to, you know, bat a 1,000 here. But if we can bat 500, if we can get Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins and Devonta Smith's good and, you know, maybe we can get something out of John Hightower slash Travis Fogum, might have something here. And then, you know, you take a chance on another receiver in the tra- – that, that's the other thing I want to see, like – how they look at the position going forward in future drafts. Because they're going to have some draft capital. I don't think they're going to draft a receiver in the first round next year, but I wouldn't be surprised they use a mid-round pick on one. 
No, not first round, no chance. Three years running, how he knows how bad that looks. They're, they're not, they're not going there. He, he, Devontae Smith would have to have a career-threatening uh, injury for the Eagles to even contemplate something like that. Speaking, more of, speaking of wide receiver, um, John didn't mention this. I threw a couple names out there. I didn't mention it. Uh, you're pointing out that uh, the coach is not afraid to do some in-practice coaching and uh, getting guys' kitchens. At least the way it was reported yesterday, did some pretty good screaming and yelling at Hakeem Butler who is a converted tight end to wide receiver. The Eagles have a whole bunch of wide receivers still on that uh, roster as of right now. Wouldn't be surprised if Akeem Butler is one of the guys who's told after today's practice his services are no longer needed. That's something we'll talk about tomorrow. Here's what we're going to talk about next. More Birds conversation. Eagles coming down with Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad. He's going to hop on with us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. 
Try it on at GoArmy.com. You're tuned to Birds 365. Jeff Kerr, Jody McDonald hanging with you. We get to spend a couple of minutes with our next guest, who I guess is on vacay again. Um, that's not Shay Kincaid in the background there, Mr. Kincaid. Is it you down the shore or something? We get people on uh, all the time, put somebody up streaming, and we get more uh, nicely uh, foliage backgrounds than any show I've ever seen before. I, I like the background you got going for us today. You down the shore or something? No, believe it or not, this is my backyard. Nice! Yeah, yeah. We uh, were lucky enough to find a place when we moved out of the city last year that actually had a, uh, a screened-in porch uh, coming off of the kitchen. So here I am. This is my beautiful background right here. Um, there's a couple projects going on in the background. We have uh, some trees that are being taken down. Uh, in one house, and then we have a, a driveway being redone at another house. So hopefully the various uh, uh, upper Gwynedd construction uh, pro <laughs> projects do not do not hinder the uh, the hit here. So uh, we we appreciate you hopping on board and yeah. uh, trying to keep the neighborhood quiet for us. So yes, yeah. thank you for that. Um, KK, one of the reasons I want to have you on today is we always stick to the X's and O's, the blocking and tackling, the evaluation of the coaches and the like. Your site and you specifically, I think, have a as good a, fi uh, a finger on the pulse of the Philadelphia sports fan as any. What's your vibe on the Eagle fans as we get ready for preseason game number two, the moves that were made, co new coaching staff, players, and the like? What do you think Eagle Nation is feeling right about now? I would hope that they're thinking, and I believe that they're thinking, uh, some form of cautious optimism you know, of a little bit of uh, curiosity about what Jalen Hurts can be this year and trying to uh, clear their head perhaps of high expectations in a year where, uh, you know, let's be honest, they're in a transition phase and they're introducing a lot of new players and a lot of new guys. And I, I hope that's how people can approach it. It's just a curiosity and an interest to see what they are. Uh, I, you know, last time I was on with you and John, I, call, I, I referred to the season as a fact-finding mission which I believe it is, you know, because you're trying to learn as much about, you know, these new guys and this new coaching staff as you can. And we, and we don't really know anything about them. And, uh, you know, to me as, as an um, objective, you know, media guy, who's my, my main role is to go down to the Sixers games, right. I, I, I take kind of an outsider view of the Eagles and um, I'm able to kind of look at it differently than some other people, I think. And all I can say is that it's just, it's, it's interesting to turn, the page and, and to think about, uh, you know, a new era of Eagles football after five years. And I, I think that sh people should generally feel positive about that, considering that after the Super Bowl, the next two to three years were excruciating and miserable and painful to watch, you know, that the weight of the crushing expectations on your shoulders. So you kind of take that and you lift it off and, uh, you know, see what comes next. And I think I think people should find that intriguing. First off, Kevin, uh, Berks County represent. Berks County. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and second off, I, I saw a tweet yesterday and uh, from a buddy of mine, and I thought it was pretty intriguing, actually, how the Patriots writers and the national media, they seem to think Jalen Hurts is doing well. And, you know, I'm national media now. I, I think the same. But 
Then you hear, oh, Eagles beat writers, they hate Jalen Hurts. They want him traded, which I don't get that vibe at all. Like, how are you getting that? We're, I, I think it's always the the local skew tends to be more critical and, and there's more scrutiny you know, placed upon people who are seeing it every day, for sure. And plus, expectations here are different uh, than in other, other places in the country. You know, I, I was lucky enough to get around to some different parts of the country, live in some different spots before I came back to Philadelphia to see how you know, they treat sports uh, or how they evaluate athletes in other parts of the country. I'd, I'd say that um, they're a little less intense than we are. But, you know, when I was down in SEC football territory, I'd say they were more um, – they were really educated and they knew what they were talking about for sure. But I think there's less of a inclination nationally to kind of jump uh, on these absolutes like, oh, he is the guy or he's not the guy or whatever. I think there's more of a wait-and-see approach for them. But, I, I mean, I think you got to be kind of – optimistic with, with Jalen Hurts based on what you saw in two preseason uh, series. It doesn't sound like much, but he looked poised out there. You know, he made some smart decisions. Didn't seem to be flustered at all. Had a couple checkdowns. He took a deep shot for Quez Watkins. He had that nice throw to Dallas Goddard. You know, so uh, I would just hope that people just wait and see and say, hey, we're going to give this kid a season to – I shouldn't call him a kid. He's a grown man. We should see what this grown man can can do this year, and we'll see we'll see if he's the guy or not, you know? He's a kid in NFL standards. He might be a grown man in other standards, yeah, but yeah. when you've only been <laughs> in the league one year, you're still a kid. You can use yeah. that word okay. uh, without uh, fear of retribution for right. months. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, a lot of people have stated uh, that Jalen Hurts has great personal leadership categories, despite the fact that he was just a rookie last year when he did step in. The guys seem to respond to his leadership, and he's a guy who people will listen to and follow. Do we overdo that? Uh, are we leaning too much on that? Because let's be honest, if you're getting the job done, if you're making plays, if you're putting up points, even if you're a lousy leader, nobody's going to get on your case for it. You're putting up 30 points a game. You're a great quarterback. If you're the best leader who's ever come down the pike, but you're scoring 10 points a game, nobody's going to go, yeah, bud, he leads. Oh, he's a leader. It is production that we're talking about on Sundays. Is it not, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, well, talk is cheap, you know, and you lead by example. And Jalen Jalen Hurts is a quiet guy, right? You know, he's a pretty humble guy. And I don't, I don't know what he was like in the Eagles locker room, the Oklahoma locker room. But if he's anything like he is, uh, in his public persona, then he doesn't really do a lot of rah rah or a lot of you know pep rally kind of talking, you know. Whereas you have a guy where he he just goes out and plays, and people respect what he does on the field, and that's good enough, you know. You can be a lead by example kind of guy versus. Uh, let me give you an example of a talker who was who kind of fell flat. A lot of hot air uh, in Philadelphia. Oh, I'll give you Golden. Uh, our guy Jake Arietta, right? You know, we had a lot of quotes that made it onto Crossing Broad from Jake Arietta <laughs> the last couple of years that didn't equate to him doing diddly poo on the field, as as the late Jim Mora once said. You know, so um, oh no, he's still alive. I'm sorry, Jim Mora is still alive. I'm sorry. Um, my apologies. Um, but you know, it's it's it doesn't matter really, you know what you say or what quotes you give to the media. You can be the quietest dude on the planet. And if he goes out and throws for three touchdowns and two hundred twenty-five yards, that's all you need to do. Philadelphia sports fans are are we're not complicated creatures. If you go out and the results show, then that's all that matters. And that go that goes for leadership as well too. What's the pulse been like on Jalen Rager? Like, I go on Facebook and people are ready to call him a bust already, but that's Facebook. Like, how's Twitter been with him? 
Yeah, Facebook's always bad with everything. Twitter is mostly bad with everything. But, you know, it's like, let's see, this is the nice thing about us as a city is that, like, you make one or two good plays, you have a good game. People forget about all that other stuff, you know? That's that's the blessing and the curse of us being kind of like a knee-jerk emotional kind of city. Um, and that seeps into the media, too, not just the fans, where it's like, okay, you have a bad season, you make a couple bad plays, you know, people wondering if you're a bust. He comes out and he has one good game this year. If he plays well against the Falcons, that's all gone. It's like a thing of the past, you know? So as quickly as people are to pick up bad habits or, or bad takes or criticism, whatever, they will just as quickly drop that, you know? And you, even like yesterday, you know, you see in the uh, you know the joint practice sessions, the clip of him going up and attacking a ball and, and making a nice play in the red zone. Uh, then you got positive talk about that. You know, it doesn't take much, right? You know, give me one Twitter clip of him making a play and we're back on board, baby. So, exactly. Uh, you know, that's all it takes. And they've got a bunch of guys that are in that exact mix. But yeah. they're still young enough that one really good game or one really big play, and you can swing the pendulum pretty damn yeah. fast. Yeah. You're 100% right there, KK. Uh, both you guys been around for a while, maybe not as long as me, but close. I, I certainly go back to when Philadelphia Eagle fans were all about defense. Buddy Ryan uh, is the greatest coach ever because – their defense just killed people. Kill a quarterback, hold them to under 10 points. That's what we love. Hit hard. Well, the NFL has changed by the way they referee, and dominating defenses aren't the uh, stellar work of the league year in and year out. But I don't think the attitude of Philadelphia fans has changed. They still love defense. At least we're being told in practices this year, if you're matching Eagles offense against Eagles defense, Eagles defense is winning almost every single day. Either the Eagles' defense is really good or the offense has got major issues. And we'll find out again a little bit more in another preseason game against the Patriots where it, uh, they'll actually keep scoring. and we'll have a read on it. Could that be the key to Eagle fans having a good year this year, KK, that the defense is better than it has been the last couple of years? Yeah, and I think that would be a surprise too. You know, it's it's interesting to see all these reports of the defensive line being really good this year because – you know, when we came into it on paper, you say Brandon Graham is coming off a really good year, but he ain't getting any younger. Uh, Derek Barnett is in the final year of his contract. Are they going to extend him or not? Josh Sweat, I think everybody thought was going to take the next step. Fletcher Cox is 30 years old. He's not getting any younger. People were wondering how much he had left in the tank. There's the article from Jeff McClain, you know, talking about, hey, maybe he didn't take care of his body the way he should have. And Javon Hargrave, who was coming off kind of an underwhelming whatever year. I mean, there are plenty of question marks on paper about that unit and the linebackers too. And, you know, before they went out and signed Nelson, you know, what was the secondary going to be? So I think considering all the storylines in the offseason, all of which were justified based on what we were seeing on paper and the signings that they were making, I don't think anybody really expected much from the defense this year. Maybe that it does end up being a strong suit. That would be nice because even if they're not going to win a lot of games this year, uh, if the defense can keep a minute and they can make these games close and they can put Jalen Hurts in situations where – you know, meaningful snaps, situational football stuff that matters versus finding yourself down two touchdowns in the first quarter, then it's going to be more entertaining and meaningful for everybody in general. So, yeah, you can chalk that one up as a pleasant surprise for now. Agreed. Yeah, Kevin, uh, one of the reasons I think this fan base is really starting to like Nick Sariani, and you might have read it this morning. Uh, I certainly did when I was, I'm one of the old school guys I was reading a newspaper, yeah. and I have just happened to see – Patriots writers were talking to the Patriots players. They were saying they were amazed by how the Eagle, how physical the Eagles were and how they don't give up on plays. And there never seems to 
be take a playoff and they're very efficient. It, that seems like it's really going to come back to help Nick Sirianni in the long run. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, he's got a football, you know, excitement in a way that it seems like it's infectious. I know we kind of we in the media kind of roll our eyes and say, like, what what is this guy doing up there? And, you know, you throw around the the Harry high school thing and, and, you know, you're expecting a certain thing out of the head coach, but you got a lot of young guys on this team who just love football and just want to go out and play. They're not complicated people, you know, and I I don't, I don't say that in any way to demean anybody or to say that anybody's, you know, less than anybody else, but football is an emotional sport. There's a lot of energy involved with it. You know, you get your juices flowing, you're out there hitting dudes and, you know, if the coach is enthusiastic and interested and that energy rubs off on other guys, that can be a positive thing. Yeah, maybe the veterans are kind of grumbling a little bit, saying, like, what are we doing here? But um, he seems like the kind of guy who's going to who's a fit for this roster. And, uh, you know, I think I made this point, Jody, on a, on when I came on with you guys previously. But, you know, Nick, Nick Sirianni seems like a football guy in, in the sense that, like, he's kind of like a lovable, dorky football guy. Right. He's not like. Joe Judge, who I can't stand, um, a disgrace to the great city of Lansdale up here um, in Monco, and uh, and James Franklin to an extent, because these are guys who kind of like they they talk at you, they talk down to you as if like you don't know football or something. It's like, well, we're gonna line this guy up here, okay, and we wouldn't do this because of the integrity of the game, okay, and like you get the kind of corny like leader of men kind of thing. But Nick Sirianni is just a guy who loves football in a lovable kind of way. So that's how I would, I would divide those guys kinds of stuff. So it's infectious. Rubs off on people. He's a nerd. He loves. I like it. That's a very good way to describe Nick Sirianni. I'm going to get your take on this. Zach Ertz still here, even though certain members of the media had him traded five months ago, four months ago, three, this is the week. This is the day. Zach Ertz still here. And he's bringing his wife to practice and introducing her to Bill Belichick. And uh, Nick Sirianni seems to have realized, yeah, I got a better football team when I've got both of my tight ends on the field. And yeah, whether we want to or not, we're going to have to play 12. If we're putting our best team out there, we're going to have to play 12 uh, possession football. Um, They've seemed to be able to temper any bad feelings. Zach wanted out. He had the whole uh, sitting on the bench after last season's last game, his last hurrah and saying goodbye. Well, he's back here again. He's getting paid good money because they didn't redo his contract. He's got one more year to go. So it's not the worst thing for Zach because if he had uh, gotten his free agency, if he had walked, I guarantee he would have had to take a make good contract that he'd have to build back up more than he was scheduled to be paid. Is this going to be okay? If Zach Ertz is here all year, and he's making plays for the Eagles and the uh, coaching staff is giving him a shot and playing him and getting him out there and giving him a chance to put up stats so that he can sign a good contract next year when he goes free agent. Are we going to be able to forget all the bad blood between he and the organization going into this season, KK? Yeah, I would hope so. And I think the thing that people kind of forget when they talk about the Zach Ertz situation is that Zach Ertz had a terrible year last year. Like these teams who were trading for him, they may say, we don't know if he has it or, he, or if he doesn't, you know? So what's the worst case? Here's the best case scenario. He provides a security blanket and a good passing option for a young quarterback who's trying to find his way in the NFL. You're only going to get a better evaluation of a guy when he's surrounded by good players, you know? You can go 12 personnel 
put Dallas Goddard on the field and get him the snaps that you need to get him to at the same time. Yone opened with 12 personnel in the preseason game the other yep. night. And then if Zach Ertz plays his value back up and you think, look, you know, maybe we can flip him for a draft pick here or, or get something out of it, then you do it that way, you know? But it's kind of like – I mean, I can't believe I'm going here, but it's a little bit like the Ben Simmons situation where you can only kind of increase your value as the season goes along, you know? And then if you make the trade in the middle of the season, get something back for him, that's fine, you know? But it wasn't it, – it, 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 neither one of these – situation seems like it has to be something that has to be a, a remedied and addressed right now you know so i think they're fine with what they're doing with with zach Ertz. now kevin uh you know as well as i do when you run a website you're always looking at the analytics you're figuring out what clicks or what stories you know people want to read even though they say they don't and yeah. one of them in my opinion is carson wentz like how are people treating Carson Wentz on Crossing Broadway? I know. It's funny because people always come at you on like Twitter or Facebook and they're like, well, he doesn't play here anymore. It's time to move on. You know, we don't want to read about that anymore. And then I'm looking at site traffic and that's the most read story of the day. <laughs> you know, it's Carson <laughs> Wentz. So, I, you know, I, you know, you, people got to people got to like understand like, hey, it's not me like giving giving you what I want to give you. I got, you know, we go based off of what people are reading and like crap like that does well you know i think people are interested to see where well first of all i mean you got the draft pick tie-in of course so that's always something we can point to you know the eagles have have uh you know there's some meaning in what he does this year but yeah i mean you're always fascinated uh you're not you're not living in the past but you're, you're trying to answer questions that re- that were not answered you know was it carson himself was it the offensive line was it the eagles what was the problem you know people are always going to be looking to validate their opinion that they had last year. People always want to say, I told you so, you know, you were right. This person was wrong. It was this, it was that. So I think that people are looking to bring finality to it for sure. You know, I mean, you always want to say, Oh, maybe you just did need a change of scenery or something. So as unfortunate as it is, we're always going to have to do Carson Wentz stories and Ben Simmons shooting three pointers in an empty gym. And, you know, yeah, you, you try to intersperse like good journalism in there too, every so often, but you gotta, you gotta know where your, uh, where your bread is buttered, so to speak. Even though my esteemed colleague here won't use the phrase Carson Wentz injury prone. He absolutely is. Um, <laughs> but aside, uh, how about Dougie P if we're going to keep an eye on Carson Wentz and everyone's still got an opinion on him. I was right. You were wrong. You were wrong. I was right. I get all of that. How is the feeling for Dougie P out there visiting a couple camps and let his uh, face be seen. I know he wants to get back into the league next year as a head coach. How do you think he's going to be perceived when he ends up elsewhere? I think it's going to be perfectly fine. And people seem to, um, Whatever hang-up people had with Doug Peterson or maybe the analytics got a little wonky last year, they weren't happy with the play calling or they thought he lost his touch or whatever, all that seems to be in the past. You know, people love him as the guy who brought City its first Super Bowl, you know? So it's curious to see him popping up with, uh, you know, former coaches and guys that he worked with here or with Andy Reid. And uh, it's weird, you know, because he's not that old for a former head coach and uh, – he can definitely be a head coach again in the league one of these days. So like, what's he, what's he going to do? Like be a, I'm thinking, I'm sure he's thinking in his head, like offensive coordinator for another one of these teams is like a step back for me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he has to make that step back. I think he can wait a year and find his way back into a head coaching position. You know, I don't, I don't think you have to do that. So 
it's curious to see him pop up this way, but he's getting paid to do nothing right now. And I, I think I speak for all three of us when I say that we would all love to do that. So Yes. <laughs> so of all the – you can even go current with this, Kevin, but all the former Philly athletes who are still playing or, you know, whoever, who's the one that does drive, like, the most traffic? Who drives the most traffic? Let me see. Um, the Carson Wentz and Nick Foles stuff is always a winner. People are always interested in reading about that. Eagles anything, really. I mean, any kind of viral Eagles video or uh, you know this report or that report, that stuff does well. Um, a lot of Philly stuff, too, believe it or not. Like, a lot of people reading the Cole Hamels stuff. Yeah, got paid yeah. a million dollars for not pitching. <laughs> I know, man. I got to get in on that. I got to get his agent. That's one way you right? can guarantee all three <laughs> un- individuals in this shot will sign up for that. Yeah. Go out, throw one session on the hill, cash for a million dollars. Yes, Kerr's in, McDonald's in, Kincaid is in. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you know, it's funny be, being a like a sports blogger, writer, whatever you want to call it is, is it's kind of like be, it's it reminds me of the time I played in a cover band because, uh, you know, you could sit there and work on that one song over and over and over and think it sounds amazing. And then somebody comes up to you afterwards and they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know that like Led Zeppelin song was OK. Right. And then you like throw together an ACDC song in like two rehearsals and you think it stinks. And then people come up to you after the gig and they're like, wow, Back in Black sounded great, man. You know, and that's how it is with writing. Like, you could think you wrote the best story of all time and maybe like 100 people read it. And then it's like, here's a video of LA Rams fans beating the crap out of each other in the stadium. That's like 10,000 page views, you know? So we all just kind of have to accept that that's uh, the world we're living in now, you know? Agreed. Now, uh, once the season gets underway, you guys will get uh, that much more traffic. We'll get that much more traffic here on Birds 365. I've said this is a talk radio guy forever. I, I can absolutely uh, say it with uh, unfettered uh, knowledge. When the Eagles lose, the phones ring more. If the Eagles win, you get more people smiling about it, but they're not going to get involved in it. They're not going to react to it. Say, yeah, go Eagles. When they lose, oh, give me the phone. Let me call Jody Mack. Let's get on a hugger. What the hell are they doing? What do I... That's just the way this town always has been. Is yeah. it the same way on your site that actually uh, controversial losses and or big losses drive more traffic than good wins? Yeah, I would say so. Um as long as the Eagles are com- competitive, you know, like if they were like four and 10 and people oh. started to, to when, to, when did that ever happen? Like no, eight I, months ago. Thank you very much for yeah, rubbing salt in the wounds. Kid yeah. Yeah. Like you, 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 you don't want to, you can, you can walk the seesaw of like Positelphia, Negadelphia without, uh, but when you trend into apathy, that's when we all run into trouble, you know? So the Eagles will pay the bill in every sports media household in the, in the Delaware Valley, whether they're winning or losing. But, uh, yeah, I would just chalk it up to, you know, people are passionate and they want to comment on what they think is going wrong. You know, it's like when they win, they're expected to win. And when they lose, people want to share thoughts on why they lost. You know, and that's a passionate and engaged fan base. And, you know, I, mean, I know we joke about like the Negadelphia people blowing up WIP and the other phone lines and stuff to com- com- complain and whatever. But it all it all comes from, you know, a place of they care about the local teams and the results and they're passionate about it. And you would be hard pressed to find that in a lot of other places. And I know we talk about sometimes people go overboard and sometimes people got to realize it's not that serious, but like I've been to other places where they just do not care. And they, and you don't want that at all, you know, because it's not interesting. It's not exciting, you know? So 
Yeah, you know, September, you know, late August through the Super Bowl season is when all the money is made and uh you know all the all the best traffic comes and uh you know that's that's you know most people in other sports markets that are more apathetic would would love to have what we have. So I have I, I can have no complaints at the end of the day. I always tell people I read Crossing Brawl one because I know you, and two because Radio Wars is fantastic. By the way, like, <laughs> how, how do people like? Did they respond to that really well when they hear about WIP, Nice and Five News, whatever's going on? It's just fascinating, you know. I, I for for whatever reason, you know, people just seem to really, really have an interest in the local the local media scene, you know, and, and that goes for stuff that's that's not Radio Wars as well, you know. Even when you just write about. Um, you know, some of the changes, for example, that are going on with the Inquirer right now, that's been a hot topic that people like reading about, um, you know, different observations from training camp, you know, different things that certain personalities say, things like that. It's, it's fascinating. You know, I, I would say that people like, I would also say that people like reading about themselves as well. And so it's, uh, it just was something when Kyle started doing it, you know, five or six years ago, it just kind of stuck. We don't do as much of it now as we used to, basically because people wisened up and they said, if we you know, stop hurling insults at the other person. There's going to be nothing to write about, you know? So I think people have, people have grown up a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I don't, I, you know, I don't think anybody else, you know, the Philadelphia Inquirer used to have like a, a media critic or a media, uh, somebody who would write about the media, but uh, you talk about like the comings and goings at the TV stations and stuff like that, but they, they don't have anybody who does that anymore. And so uh, we just kind of stumbled backwards into, uh, you know, being one of the, the only outlets that was doing anything like that. I last one for me, uh, and we'll give you a chance to put your uh, journalistic uh, glasses on. How big a story is COVID restrictions and or the way the Eagles are going to handle people, people coming into the stadium and having to show whether you've been vaccinated or not? How big a story is that going to be? Is that going to be something that we can just deal with and run way and get ready for a football season? Or is that going to stir people's emotions and be a big story between now and opening week kickoff? I don't know how big of a story it's going to be in terms of practical implementation and whatever rule set that they come up with for the stadium or for tailgating or anything. But I'll tell you what, that that's the most charged discussion on any of our social media channels still. You know, the the politicize, the, the politicizing of the whole thing, vaccine or no vaccine, you know, players, uh, you know, personal choice and things like that. It, it, it's kind of a continuation, Jody, honestly, of, uh, you know, if you think about the last five years of how politics and, and social issues and cultural issues have seeped into sports with Colin Kaepernick and kneeling and comments made by Donald Trump, they kind of just pushed all of it to, together into one one kind of jumble there, you know. And so I think like COVID stuff is kind of the natural evolution of that, of, of people still <laughs> taking these hardline political stances on something that's now seeped into the sports world, whether we whether we like it or not. And, uh, you know, like the Cole Beasley story was big, you know, a story about like the, the Phillies who, you know, missed time because of COVID and uh, the, not all the Eagles are vaccinated. There's still a handful of them who aren't. And uh, so. It, it's going to be a it's going to be a big deal in terms of media discussion, the stories that are written and, and the emotions and the response that that you know, invokes in the fan base. But as far as, uh, you know, practicality or how it's going to play out at the stadium, I mean, the rules are going to be the rules and there's not going to be really any wiggle room for that. So I, I see it as more of a play, playing out in the uh, the uh, digital realm, if you will. KK, we'll uh, let you run. 
go chop down some trees behind you there. You got some work yeah. to do, yeah. Mr. Landscaper and uh, yeah, right. new, new Shake and Cade. <laughs> uh, and oh, by the way, feel free to go write a story about even though the Eagles have seven or eight tight ends on their roster, they should think about claiming Tim Tebow because he was just released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> oh, you want to guarantee yeah. some clicks? Oh, go to Tim Tebow. That'll yeah. guarantee you traffic. Yeah, I remember when I was at Eyewitness News when we had uh, Tebow the first time, and uh, that was uh, the 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 ratings and the interest were very good. So maybe maybe we can do Tim Tebow part two. Part two. Part uh, two. <laughs> second time you've been out with us, Kincaid. No, there's going to be a part three, part four, part, part five, right. and part six. JK, yeah. thanks much. Appreciate you coming on. My pleasure, gentlemen. Anytime. Kevin Kincaid here with us on Birds 365. Jeff Curd, Jody McDonald coming back. Yes, I just saw it on Twitter while we were talking to Kevin. Tim Tebow, oh, can't believe he didn't even make the first cut of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, he can't even block anybody. <laughs> no, what do you mean? He had that viral block the other day. What do you do? Stand in a guy's way? And somehow it was a great block. Why? Because it was Tim Tebow. We'll come back. Maybe a little Tebow to take us out the door here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Birds 365, final couple minutes uh, on a Tuesday get-together. Eagles and Patriots just about to start their second uh, combined practice uh, they did yesterday. Eagles seem to get the better of it. We'll see if that's the case again today, and then they'll actually uh, put full uniforms on and play in front of referees and keep scoring, allow the fans to come in and watch in their preseason game on Thursday. Um, as I mentioned right before we went to break, uh, hit Twitter about 20 minutes ago. The Jaguars have moved off Tim Tebow. And since I gave Urban Meyer a hard time when I found out that he signed Tim Tebow, I guess I have to give Urban Meyer credit here because Tim Tebow didn't need to be in the Jaguars camp. He wasn't going to make the team as a tight end. Tebow, supposedly a really good guy, not a bad broadcaster, phenomenal college quarterback, couldn't play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, tried to make it. The Mets decided to let him hang around their minor leagues for years. And I'll give him credit. Hadn't played forever and didn't embarrass himself. He didn't. Those who said, oh, you're going to make it to the major leagues was never happening. Uh, but he didn't embarrass himself terribly when he did it. So Tim Tebow has had a lot of twists and turns that his career and life has taken. Here comes another one. He's not going to be coming back as a tight end. Uh, give Urban Meyer credit. Yeah. Cut him quick. Don't don't linger. Don't have this linger. Don't give him the uh, false hope that he's going to actually make the team. You saw him in practice. Saw that it's too much of a hill to climb at this stage of his career, this, this stage of his life, to be making a positional change to tight end. Urban Meyer, I actually salute you. I haven't done that much. Uh, I do so here because he did the right thing by jettisoning Tebow as quickly as he did. Oh come on, Jody. He gave him another chance to make an NFL roster by cutting him this soon. Come on, yeah, I'll, I'll cover any of that action you want, Kerr. Whatever you need, four to one, five to one, six to one. What do you need that Tim Tebow doesn't make another team's roster this year? I got to give the Jaguars credit, though. What a marketing opportunity to sell jerseys because he had the number one selling jersey for two months there. And like, come on, why are we doing this? To why would you waste a hundred twenty dollars on Tim Tebow jersey? Like. I don't get it. Like I, I liked him in college, but I, I used to tell people that I, he was in college and I was in college. I said, there's no way this guy is going to make it as a quarterback in the NFL. And I had to listen to people say, he beat the Steelers in the playoffs. I, I don't care. I'm like, let's see how he does against Belichick. Well, he embarrassed himself. and He never fully recovered from that, honestly. Like, I like the guy. I always, I, I'll never blame the guy for trying. I mean, he did try this. It didn't work. And yeah, I'm like you, Jerry. I got to commend Urban Meyer for, just basically cotton bait. A guy brighter than both you and I by the name of P.T. Barnum once said, there's a sucker born every minute. And anybody who bought a Tebow jersey for $120 would fall into that category. Uh, one other uh, receiver note, not tight end, wide out. Good news. It seems Devontae Smith is going to actually take reps in practice today. Not just run routes but take reps and get back out there onto the field and maybe compete against the Patriots a little bit, take part in team drills. That's pretty good. Uh, when he got injured, we thought week to week could mean several weeks. 
He's back in just about two weeks' time, Jeff. Uh, apparently, the injury, not as bad as some people feared when it first came down. That'd be great if we could actually see him out there. If he's practicing today, maybe actually plays Thursday against the Patriots. Yeah, and even if he comes in just for a little bit, like, yeah, if he's out fully practicing today, you go through the walkthrough, and maybe that's what they want to see. Hey, you know what? If you feel you're ready to go or we feel you're ready to go, maybe we'll do that. And, uh, by the way, I wanted to bring a, another wide receiver topic. Uh, I noticed a couple practices. There was a guy who looked like Eddie Royal there, and I'm like, is that Eddie Royal? Like, is is that like you know the Eddie Royal, the former Broncos and Chargers wide receiver? Well, I guess Jimmy Kemsky is the one that asked uh, Nick Sirianni. Eddie Royal is a coaching intern with the Eagles, so that's another veteran wide receiver. Maybe that's the veteran wide receiver that's going to help the young guys. He ain't going to play on the field, but Eddie Royal was pretty good for a number of years. Jody, Jody, can't hear you. I, uh, I guess <laughs> I, I clicked my mute on. Here's what I asked you, JK, before we get out of Dodge. Um, yesterday's practice, I think Jalen Hurts outplayed both New England quarterbacks. Um, we'll see if that happens again today. Anything else you specifically looking for out of today's Eagles-Patriots matchup? I think I want to see... Again, a more consistent Jalen Hurts, again, back-to-back -back practices. I, I want to see the Eagles' cornerbacks can recover a little bit. It seemed like they didn't have the greatest of day yesterday, especially when uh, Cam Newton went to uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar in particular. I think Hunter Henry was the other one who had a pretty good day. But besides that, I, I kind of want to see how the Eagles adjust and how the Patriots adjust because I, I always find day two of these joint practices more intriguing because they're actually – it seems like they actually get some pretty good game reps in there. We'll see how many game reps they get in today. Uh, I think this is only going to help both teams. And the Patriots have their work cut out for them because they've got a true Super Bowl contender in their division in the Buffalo Bills. Eagles don't have that. They just got to get past the Washington football team, the Giants, and the Cowboys, all of which you lost. I noted this with you before the show started today. Didn't bring it up on the show till just now. Right now, the NFC East. Through one-plus weeks of preseason, remember Dallas played in the Hall of Fame game, 0-5, 0-5 so far. It was the NFC least last year. It's going to be the NFC least again next year. Why can't the Eagles win the NFC least? We yeah, I, I keep telling people, Jody, the division still sucks. It's not good. Now, Washington's got an elite defense. Uh, Dallas should have an elite offense. Uh, I'm curious to watch Hard Knocks tonight to see if, you know, Dak and Zeke had their little birthday gift exchange or whatever they did last week. It's by the way, I, I have a newfound appreciation for Dak after that first episode. I, I absolutely love the 18 F bombs he let out because they monitored his training camp reps. I thought that was fantastic. He goes, I've been off for this long and you know, 12 months or whatever it was. I, I just love the, the competitiveness of some football players. So I got a newfound appreciation for Dak, but overall the NFC East, not good. I hate to tell Giants fans this. Your team might be the worst in the division. The best part of the uh, first episode of Hard Knocks was at the beginning when they were showing the reconstructed knee that oh, Dak Prescott had. That was actually the best part was the first five minutes. Him talking about how badly his knee got uh, screwed up. Well, we'll see. Uh, episode two tonight. Yes, that's one of the things we'll be talking about here tomorrow. And, of course, 
practice day two between the Patriots and Eagles. I need you right back here in 22 hours on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.